The Nation State of Play podcast is produced by IBC Media in San Diego, California. Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high-impact topics determining the future of our nation state. Well, Chris, thanks so much for being on the show today. It's great to have you. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. So uh, first of all, can you tell us a little bit about your organization? It's, it's, uh, it's definitely something that when people hear the title of, they, I think they immediately ask, how do I get more involved with that? So uh, yeah, t- tell us a little bit about who you represent. Well, we uh, started the California Artisanal Distillers Guild mm-hmm. in 2011, uh, incorporated in 2012 with a small group of uh, four or five members. Uh, it's grown and uh, we tend to be all DSP, which is distilled spirits producers. Uh, we do have some other members. We have some associates and um, some, some other types of entities, but we uh, are all volunteer. We do not have any paid staff. We spend every, um, every dime we get on actually getting something done on behalf of the distilling community. So it's... Uh, it's been a, a long road, even though it's only been, what are we, almost 10 years. So uh, we, we wish more people would join and uh, support us because uh, being a small distiller in, in the world is not an easy thing to do. Well, let's talk about that more. So you're a distillery owner yourself. Yeah. Tell, us, tell us about your company. So I own Amador and Dry Diggings Distillery, which is in Eldorado Hills, California. And uh, we have a tasting room. We have our production facility right here, and we're small. We're doing less than I don't know five thousand case a year, and we work on mostly local type items. We do a lot of brandy production, a lot of high proof for the wine industry. So we do more work uh, than most do for entities outside of our own. So we have our own brands, the Engine Forty Nine brand, and some others that. Uh, we sell mainly out of our tasting room. You wish more people would join. Tell us, Ballpark, how many distilleries do you think there are in California? Roughly, actually working, we, we tend to think about 150. Okay. So back when I started my facility, there were less than probably 30. And how many are members, Ballpark? 45 to 50. Great. Okay. Well, let's make sure we get the, the rest of them hearing about the important work you're doing exactly. here. Exactly. Um, but more broadly, kind of tell us what's going on in the industry. I assume these numbers are growing. I've, I've read stories about like young people aren't drinking wine. They're drinking more distilled spirits and craft beers. Just give, just kind of give us a sense of kind of what's what's going on in the space, if you were. We, we reach at my facility a pretty broad spectrum of customers. We have younger people that are coming in to learn that uh, are into the craft cocktails. And so they're interested in the ingredients, which obviously starts with the spirit itself. But we, we also have um, older, more mature market segment that uh, is interested in higher end stuff. And that's really what the craft distiller tries to, to go after is the higher end specialty, maybe something that uh, is a spin on something traditional or a different mash bill. And so you tend to get people, uh, like my own customers complain that I'm hard to find. And my explanation is we don't put a lot of signs out because I don't want 
the bachelorette party pulling in with a bus. <laughs> I, w- I want you to work to find me. Nice, nice. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so you wrote a, a piece in Cal Matters, which I thought was very well written, by the way, and that's that's why I reached out to you for the show. And and I thought what was smart was you kind of walked through a little bit of the history here of how these laws evolved for wine, and really you're asking for something very similar. So I, I want to kind of um, track that piece, if you will, a little bit. T- tell me what the history of the the law was for other products first on on direct shipment, and and how that has played out. So. The wine industry started the movement to -to direct-to-consumer shipping probably about 30 years ago, and they have still continued to have to go state by state to open up each uh, reciprocal agreement uh, through the legislatures because liquor law in the United States uh, under the repeal of prohibition granted the state's all the rights on liquor distribution and the movement of liquor within their own state and then interstate. So California was a leader in that, obviously, with the the California wine industry being such a uh, growth. I've heard numbers of exponential growth since that's happened. So when we as distillers got the ability to have a tasting room and then the ability to have direct sales, we looked at what is our path to market other than distribution, the three-tier system. So the biggest element to that is at least interstate shipping, uh, intrastate, and then possibly moving to interstate. Uh, We're waiting for the legislature, obviously with SB 620, to help us define what what rights are they going to give us. So I I wanna sort of frame up what the growth potential is for this industry. Obviously wine has a lot of uh, inherent advantages in California, um, but, but I think your industry does as well. There, there are arguably different inherent advantages, but, but what's, why is this succeeding in California and how do you see the potential for growth? Well, it's, uh, it's still so young. I mean, we're only 10 years into this and you look at say Kentucky's distilling community, and they've been around forever. And um, so the, we're really cutting new path. And, you know, the, the industry started arguably here with St. George Spirits down in Alameda. And uh, we had early uh, members that, that really took the bull by the horns to move California into the front of the line on the craft spirit side. We don't know where it can go because we've gone from, like I said, 30 or 40 when I started in 12 to now over 150, there's over 200 licenses. So there's already 50 plus more in some type of project completion. And so we're waiting to see uh, the volume is the next thing is how, how do we keep growing those that are currently in it, even if we didn't get any more uh, companies to join, how do we grow the companies that are currently there? And of course, that would be to expand the ability to reach that market. So during COVID, can you explain what the changes were and, and what you're trying to see now? So our tasting rooms were essentially shut down. Uh, most of us had pivoted 
to doing hand sanitizer. And so we were considered an essential business. Uh, so like my taste room, we never, we ex actually expanded from five days a week to seven days a week so that we could get these hand sanitizer out. Um, we weren't allowed to do tastings, but we could do bottle sales. So all of those kinds of things uh, were good and bad. The bad being when you can't do tastings, most people aren't going to spend the money for a high-end bottle like most of us produced. So we worked with ABC and uh, the governor's office to expand. And it was really ABC that reached out to us. It was their idea to uh, give direct-to-consumer shipping a try and to, it was kind of an experimental deal, A, to help us with cash flow to, to keep us in business, and B, to see how did it work and what were there going to be any problems. And we're happy to say that uh, we've worked very closely with ABC. We have not had a single violation that we've been told. Uh, anything has happened in a negative way. We haven't had any violations of under 21 uh, years of age. Uh, we haven't had uh, bottles left on doorsteps, uh, missed deliveries, any of those kinds of things because the, the shipping end of it with our partners at UPS and FedEx have, have really, they know how to do it because they've learned with wine. Right. So we, we have all the elements in place to really do a very good job. And we also then educated our membership to make sure that they knew don't just hand this off to anybody and say, go deliver this. That, that was never the case with us. So it's worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, the wine comparison is really important here. It's like this has been going on for a long time with the wine. The companies know how to do it. They do age verification. There's age verification even on Instacart now if, if you want to get spirits across town. So it doesn't, doesn't seem too complicated. So, okay, so this was a temporary, they just did this by executive order during yes, COVID, and, right? And Explain what happened. It ended at the end of 2021. So the last day of December. At the last minute, uh, we did ask, uh, the governor's staff, if we could get an extension, they gave us 90 days. Uh, so that ends the end of March, 2022. But uh, our bill is moving. Uh, it just got out of the Senate. And so we're looking to see if we can get an expedite done on it so that we can get the, the new bill in before the temporary expires. If not, we're going to have to go back and act ask for another extension. Uh, so it's Senate Bill 620, sponsors yes. Ben Allen. Um, it's out of the Senate already. Great job. That's, yep. that's impressive for being this. this yeah, early. For being, <laughs> being a controversial bill. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I but I do want to understand the opposition here because like because this is what's always fascinating to us. It's like there's always a motive behind who's opposing things. When um, cannabis was being legalized, I thought it was sort of comical that the beer companies were fighting it because they viewed it as competition for their product and they thought people are just going to sit around their boxer shorts and get high all day and not go out and buy beer and the casinos the casinos actually fought it because they wanted to make sure people were not too stoned to come into their casino so i'm, I'm always curious like who uh, you know who and why who's opposing you why are they doing it well our main opposition is going to be our usual partners which is distribution and the distributors uh, want to keep us in the fold as part of three tier. And we support that. 
Uh, we're not looking to replace distribution. Uh, our argument has been that we want to be able to grow to a point where distribution makes sense because a lot of times we're making, like in my own tasting room on any given day, I probably have 35 different products that I make and we're currently selling. If I went to a distributor and asked them to even take two, right. they would say no, because there's not enough mm. volume to push it. Right. So they, they've been against this just because they want to keep three tier. Uh, and we completely understand that. There has been opposition from the Teamsters. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because UPS is in support of us and UPS is the largest employer of Teamsters in the country. So it's, it's one of those things where uh, we don't really know why people team up. And, uh, but at the same time, we do understand. We, their, their argument isn't completely without merit. It's just that there needs to be uh, an agreement that everybody can live with. All right, well, let's unpack each of those opposition. What's the Teamsters problem? I, I, I didn't follow that. Well, I'm not following it either, uh, <laughs> to be honest. But the, the argument tends to be that they're going to lose jobs because too many bottles shipped through direct consumer shipping eliminates retail sales and eliminates jobs of delivering those bottles to retailers. And to be honest, that simply is not the case because our tasting rooms do not compete with Costco or Total Wine or Bevmo. Right, right. We're in a completely different space. Right. And even if all 150, which I'm, I don't believe there's 150 tasting rooms, so we don't know the actual number of that. But even let's say that it is, if everybody was shipping, it still isn't even probably equivalent to a couple of Costco sales. Right. Um, it's just, we're in a different space and a different volume, but that's their argument is that they're afraid that the, the high paying wage jobs will be lost because all these bottles will be shipping. But even if that were true, I'm just trying to see this logic chain through, you would have more Teamster jobs from shipping it directly to customers, right? So where, where, where am I getting lost here? Uh, that's the question that UPS asked during the hearings is how are we losing jobs? We're the largest employer of Teamsters. If anything, we're going to hire more people. Right. That's what we saw with wine. Every year as California and other states, wine shipments have gone up. So have the job opportunities with UPS. Yeah. And I, and again, I think the wine comparisons are really helpful here. I'm a wine drinker, as, as you may be able to tell, but um, having the ability to go to tasting rooms and try more niche products and high-end products doesn't mean you don't go to BevMo and Costco for wine. It just makes you more of a wine drinker. I actually think it probably increases sales in those other places because it makes it part of your lifestyle. It makes it a hobby. It makes right. it something that you're doing on a more consistent basis. Tasting rooms drive traffic. And that's the thing is it's, it's the traffic that you are, you're creating something that becomes more of a lifestyle right. and you, you're not going to drive to Eldorado Hills from downtown Sacramento to buy a bottle if it's available at Total Wine or your local retailer uh, who does a very good job of talking about our brand. So that's the thing is that 
the biggest issue, we need to get big enough to get on the radar so that that next sale can happen. Because until we become a name and that you're familiar with, that you've tried, because the other thing is you're not going to buy a bottle for $70 that you've never tried. Usually. Yeah, I, I, uh, I know a wine, winery owner who always says every time you buy a bottle of wine, it's a bet. And you gotta, you got to figure out if it's a good bet, it's a good bet or not. The best way to exactly. know if it's a good bet is to taste it. Um, okay, so, so then let me go back to this distributor argument. Um, their, their argument, again, I'm not accepting this logic at all. I think it's the opposite. I think, I think you know, as you've pointed out, you're getting more people into the product. You're, you're expanding the market, creating more drinkers of these products but let's assume that they were right for the sake of argument that you are replacing sales at their stores with direct sales so what why is that the legislature's business to decide who should be able to sell it one way or the other well part of the the legislation currently though is that it's it doesn't represent just craft distillers it's any distiller and so the worry is that if you've got large Tennessee or Kentucky distilleries able to ship like we are with their marketing budgets and their name recognition, that distributors won't be needed because we're, we're going to be getting away from retailers, local retailers, and moving more towards, say, the Amazon type of sales uh, model that you go to your keyboard and a bottle shows up and that you won't go to Costco and you won't go to any of your, your other retail operations, even your local grocery store, you're going to order it online. It's an argument that's tough given the way during COVID a lot of retail sales have gone, not necessarily the liquor market, but the, the retail, uh, whether it's groceries or buying a pair of shoes, people were not going to the mall like they were because most of the malls were closed. So I think there's some, some valid concern that if everyone is allowed to ship, then it becomes this, this, thing where three-tier laws, which is there to protect consumers, uh, it's there to protect uh, liquor falling into the wrong hands, uh, possibly taxes not being paid. Although a lot of those arguments can be argued validly that they're not the way it would go. Um, there, it's just, it's, there's some validity to it. And so we have to progress with this in a very uh, deliberate way to make sure that we don't do that. Uh, but what we're fighting for, the, the CADG, is that at least the small guys can get the ability to grow our brand, to get our reach out there, to grow to a size that then distribution can take us. The other argument is for the larger brands that want to be able to ship uh, and, and do the things that small guys are doing. And that's a different argument. Well, but let me make sure I follow that. So didn't retail liquor store, retail liquor sales, excuse me, go through the roof during COVID because Instacart was now allowing you to go and just get the stuff delivered 
uh, on yeah. the whim. Yeah. Right. So it's not it's not that like people went on, you know, craft sites and waited a week for it to show up. Like I want it now, Instacart. And they and they went to the same people who are complaining about this now, right? Yes. Yes. And and that's that's the thing is that there's some speaking out of each side of the mouth. Um and but it's it's there is some validity. I think we do need to all listen to each other just to make sure that uh, we're, we're doing this correctly. You know, none of us wants to cause any kind of an issue. So I think that we are doing a good job of listening. And I think that some of our partners are starting to listen to us as well. But the argument's gonna get a little bit more in depth as this goes along because we do have the over 150,000 gallon a year DSP uh, asking for the same as the under 150, which is how we define craft in California. So when you look at that, it's, it's going to be interesting how it goes. All right. Well, I, I think you got a really thoughtful approach to an interesting issue here. Um, I, I think I, I'm really glad that you're making so much progress and that is real progress to, to be clear that you've got it out of the Senate already. But if people want to help support this, whether they're consumers, whether they're people in the industry, how can they get involved with what you're doing? We uh, have a link up on our website and we try to keep that updated uh, on letters that can be sent to legislators. You know, get a hold of your assembly person especially, but also thank your Senate person uh, that has moved this bill for us and been very supportive. And we've had, since the beginning, since 2012, we had, have had great partnerships with the legislature, the, the, the various governors and their staff, and the ABC. The ABC has been a fantastic partner. We work so well with them. And it, it's funny, most people think that it's, you know, it's like the IRS. Oh, you don't call them, you don't get involved, you just hope that you can hide from them. We've done the opposite, and they've done the opposite with us. We, we talk and we work together. And, and the, the best thing the public can do is just support us by sending a letter and uh, reaching out to your local legislator. And then, of course, also uh, participating in the uh, purchase of a bottle. I spirits in the meantime, I was going to make sure you added that. What is, yeah. what's, what's your company's website if they want to check you out? Uh, AmadorDistillery.com uh, or DryDiggingsDistillery.com. Great. Uh, well, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us. Really interesting topic. I think it's going to be, um, I, you know, our audience is mostly legislators. And I will tell you, that's a, that's a relatively high consuming body of, 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 <laughs> yes. of, 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 of products. I think this is going to be very near and dear to a lot of staffers and people who frequent Sacramento establishments. Uh, so thanks for joining us and really appreciate the time. Good luck with Th the bill. Thanks for letting our message get out there. Really appreciate the support. We invite you to share story ideas, comments, and questions. Find us at NeptuneOps.com or on Twitter at, at NationStateOfP1. Again, that's at NationStateOfP and then the number one. Follow us and subscribe to listen to all of our episodes as we continue to explore the inside stories driving California policy. This is the Nation State of Play podcast, exploring the inside political stories driving public policy in California. Powered by Neptune Ops and presented by IBC Media. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and thank you for listening. American democracy is good, but we can make it better. 
The National Association of Nonpartisan Reformers includes organizations across the country who are working right now to build a better democracy by opening primaries, implementing safe, secure voting systems, reducing corruption, and increasing transparency. Listen to our weekly podcast, How to Win Friends and Save the Republic, to hear updates from the latest movements in the democracy reform space. Subscribe and learn more about us at nonpartisanreformers.org.